feel the vibe, uh-uh-ha. Wanna feel the vibe, wanna feel the vibe, uh. Wanna, what, yeah, wanna, what, uh, yeah, every, what, come on, uh, yo, yo. During divine hours, I use my power to refine flower girls and make them feel like black pearls. Get their minds off acrylic nails and the rap world. It's a lot you can find in a lost black girl. Masons building lodges, we be in garages. Discussing who we boned and who God is. Pro black like Craig Hodges with my deceities and the cleaners. I kick it for the Chevy ride, head to back, she leaners. And a cocktail trying to make the gardener eating out of Ogdell and Rockwell. Locked in this grid like a Tupac tail. Wild heaven rock smells make the cops tell. My third eye is my rail on this Ella thought. That Afrocentric stamps I'm melon thought. To my God's held in court, I dwell where rebellion's taught. And emotions seldom walk. I try to walk like an Egyptian, but hieroglyphics fail to talk. I guess the hustling is the unspoken gospel. Love it, I'm an apostle. Feel the Holy Spirit of Chicago. E bottle, here's the bottle. I think I need a cup of tea because I'm novel. Bust it. All right, back quick, quick turnaround. I wanted to uh, get us on the record <laughs> relatively fast for uh, some stuff. A lot of big stuff happened this weekend, but particularly two things that me and you are interested in um, to talk about. So, Quentin, we are back, and this episode we are the handyman um, as we talk about NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, which happened on Valentine's Day. Um, and Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, which is also, I guess, romantic in its own way. Um, Quentin, how you been? Uh, I'm good. Like you mentioned, quick turnaround. Um, but yeah, I had to like cram in a bunch of wrestling watching in the last like couple of days. Like obviously being busy with uh, you know, other stuff, other stuff going on. But a lot, a lot of wrestling, like those action, those action shows went up. The Lucha Mama show, uh. Getting uploaded to IWTV, a, a big DD, a big DDT show, uh, NXT Vengeance Day, Bloodsport, uh, even no, even Noah. Like there, it was a really eventful uh, uh, last few days, really. Oh yeah, and the the AEW uh, women's tournament, the Japanese side of the bracket went up the other night too. So yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. This is this felt crazy. This is the most wrestling I've watched in a long time just all together here in the past couple days since we last recorded i've watched tons of wrestling it feels crazy to me um right 
But uh, I want to start out talking about Bloodsport because I had some stuff on my mind when it came to this. Um, and you were talking a little bit earlier in the Slack about it, and uh, I was kind of biting my tongue, so I just want to get it out of the way before we get going. Um, so Bloodsport, GCW's Josh Barnett presents Bloodsport 4 and 5 are happening. 4 just happened. 5 is next week. The whole thing was a little bit confusing to me because... Uh, when I saw it first announced, um, the first thing I thought was that they were doing something where it was four and five, like in the same day or at the same time, because they were going out of the way to try to correct the weird timeline thing about the, the Matt Riddle's blood sport versus the Josh Barnett blood sport. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, maybe they're doing both of them like in one, like in one show so that it can just be like clean josh barnett's or it's just blood for four and people stop making the joke about it being you know matt riddle was the first one and then it was josh barnett or whatever um and then well actually i say that's the first thing that popped in my head but that's not true the first thing that popped in my head when i saw on twitter the advertisement for the shows was why did josh barnett unblock me because <laughs> i'm seeing a josh barnett tweet and i'm like that's wait, fucking wait, wait. weird why would why, why would you be jo- blocked by Josh Barnett in the first place when you're like the biggest Josh Barnett fan that I know? <laughs> because okay, so I got blocked by Josh Barnett because of Kevin Gill, basically. Like Kevin Gill oh, shit talking <laughs> led to Josh Barnett blocking me, which is very funny. But so I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, Josh Barnett's enough of like epic bacon knife whiskey bastard kind of dude that like he probably believes in like every every six months or something he does a twitter great reset like like economic reset and he just like unblocks everybody that he's blocked or something like i would not be shocked if he's like that libertarian to where he thinks like yeah it's you know it's not fair to just like block people and then leave them blocked forever so i i I go back i go in there every six months and i unblock everyone who i've ever blocked but yeah first thing i thought why did josh barnett unblock me second thing i thought are they trying to fix the timelines then i realized they're not the shows are happening like two weekends in a row so the second show didn't even happen yet um so yeah but coming into this and watching it and kind of what got me thinking about wanting to talk about it more was talking about cal jack and you mentioned why is cal jack beating the shit out of nolan edwards which is an interesting thought when you think about the grand scheme of things nolan edwards right now is kind of one of the it guys he's kind of the next guy that everyone's talking about is going to be a breakout star more and more places are booking him. He seems to be like somewhat protected as a future guy. Cal Jack is just whatever. But Josh Barnett seems to be creating his own separate blood sport universe where he's got his guys. He presents them his way. And out of any fucking thing that's going on in GCW, Josh Barnett's blood sport has the most clear thought put into the booking. And it's just really fucking crazy to think that GCW, this company that's like, you know, the big, the big, uh, the big boys in indie wrestling and stuff like this the rest of their shows are just a bunch of dog shit thrown at the wall and then josh barnett is over here trying to put together his own thing like so much so that him doing the two shows setting up his own separate website where he streamed the shows all the stuff that's going on i'm like is josh barnett thinking about turning this into a bigger thing than just random gcw shows every now and then and making more of a promotion because he's putting a lot of effort into it And like I said, he's got guys that are project guys, clearly. He's got people that he's behind that he's trying to build. He's building his own internal logic and storyline to the matches. You know, the the biggest issue with all of that is that it's it's like shoot-style adjacent stuff. So 
no matter what the fact that he's putting the most effort into actually booking this stuff it's not going to really get over because people just aren't that into it and uh the 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 one one little like kind of anecdote that i saw that makes me really realize that is like even with the way this show is done and, and how good it was i i was watching it on an illegal stream and so i saw like the chat room for the illegal stream site and i saw somebody comment like all the smoke in that room is from the gay porn stars smoking clove cigarettes and that's like the fucking feeling that people have towards the blood sport kind of brand you know what i mean and like that they're talking about it that way that like this is like weird men grunting and, and grappling with each other on the mat and it's like yeah like unfortunately the fan base of independent wrestling right now is not going to like buy into shoot style wrestling no matter how well you put together the shows or how well you book them and and these aren't like the best shoot style wrestlers ever but at least they're like putting some effort into the product and people just still kind of look at it as like a, a joke so yeah I, I know i said a lot there quentin but uh but what did you think of the of the shows and everything that i kind of just put down there um i think that like Bloodsport, for as much as like me and you and other people might like shoot adjacent wrestling that Bloodsport works for some works as something that is a little bit more uh you know annual as a once a year thing but i think you know what they're doing here with them running like a like back-to-back weekends especially in like the in like this in the setting they're running it in like it kind of overexposes Bloodsport. i feel like because while Bloodsport will usually have, like, you know, a big match to look forward to. You know, um, like, you know, like, like Takeda versus Gresham in the past. Or Minoru Suzuki versus Josh Barnett. Or um, even, like, Timothy Thatcher versus Nick Gage. Or, uh, or, or earlier this year with, uh, with, Moxley, with Moxley versus Dickinson. Or last year with Moxley versus Dickinson. Like, wait, there's usually been that kind of match to, like have to anchor the show as like this big like dream spectacle and then like you would sprinkle in other shit that will like that, that might be surprising that might uh wind, wind up uh, blow, blowing you away but other than that it usually has like at least like one big like must see thing and I think that especially for this show in particular like it lacked it so much and then like the talent lower on the card like even if they're not terrible when you're looking at diego perez and gil gardado and carter mccall and roy and royce isaacs um like it stands out that those lower card guys like they they kind of bring the card down like you almost, you almost wish that like they would have like cut it to like you know start with bad dude tito and super beast because you kind of have you kind of have you have those guys and it feels like it like lowers the entire quality of the entire show and going to uh, your comment about what the chat room was saying when you're when you're watching it, like the room they're in and the setting they're in doesn't help doesn't help that vibe at all. Like now, like you know, when they're in front of like a lively WrestleMania weekend crowd, now they're in front of now now they're like looks like it's like they're do- shooting customs, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. Like so so like that like so like the setting they're in definitely doesn't help this at all. Like it looks like raw underground and like like they're doing like custom. Uh, wrestling videos yeah definitely definitely and i do i think that yeah it's like it's it's this is overexposed and it's um and it is like kind of overextending the the depth that there is of people to be on the show so so it does make it um 
it does make it glaring when you do have the kind of the undercard is like really really not there um though what did you think of the like the the better i guess the better matchups like was it what was the standout stuff we don't really have to get into depth and talk about every match if you don't want to we could just kind of talk about the stuff that stood out to you um i, I like royce isaacs i, I like i like i liked him and um him and the Calder McCall match. Uh, Bad New Tito versus Super Beast. Like, like honestly, like maybe the second best match on the show. <laughs> like, yeah, that definitely over-delivered. I was expecting a lot less having seen these guys work pro-style a number of times. Um, but they, they did really well in this setting. Uh, J.R. Cradle versus Alice Coughlin. Uh, a, a, a note that I made watching this, watching this match in particular is I feel like now more than ever... Uh, in professional wrestling, you can tell who has good training and who doesn't in like as little as fifteen seconds. Like right. watching Jr. Kratos here, and then look at Alex Cough, uh, 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 Coughlin and his and his movements and like his base and his stancing and, and his stances and everything. Like you can tell within fifteen seconds that Alex Coughlin knows what he's doing. He, you know, he, you know, he's taught well. And then you compare that to so many people on the independent scene right now, and it's like so glaring how well, how like how well taught. Even like Alice Coughlin, who's not, who's like you know, like the third or fourth best uh, non-Japanese young lion right now. How he, how he, how good he looks in comparison to most people on the indies right now. Yeah. No, hey, don't be throwing any shade on the DKC, all right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean you're a hundred percent right there, and I think that not, it's not even just about. Um, the training but it is about getting the training at the right time and and sticking with it because jr kratos has done all a lot of the same training as someone like timothy thatcher um right they they're they were good friends they've gone to like training seminars and gone to like go train at the battle uh battle arts dojo together stuff Kr- like that kratos is just so huge now that's true kratos is gigantic but also kratos is a guy who's like had a mishmash of training and didn't like start from the ground up getting like really good training you know what i mean and i think that that's what helps is when you start from the beginning you don't have to unlearn a bunch of a bunch of like bad traits and kind of and plus he's so big and he's older it's like when you start out young it's easier to drill and he you know put the time to focus where it can be the main thing that you're doing it makes a huge difference so it's unfortunate because i think kratos is fine and i think that he's gotten obviously gotten a lot better but yeah, if you don't have that ground up training and you don't have like the time to dedicate purely to 100% becoming really good, it shows. And it shows in a big way like something like like you're saying in this setting. And you know, there's a place for a guy like Kratos, but he's just not uh not uh not smooth. The Cal Jack Nolan Edwards match, like I said, I mean, I, I saw you mention why is he getting destroyed, but I really enjoyed it. I actually oh, no, really I, I, liked Cal Jack. Oh, I, oh, I, I love this. I think, I think this is the best match on the show. I was just like, Jesus Christ, like, like Nolan Edward, that, and you, and you make a good point about the contained blood, blood sport universe, and why like Nolan Edward would, would be getting his shit kicked in by Cal Jack, but it was just like Jesus, like it was like it was like really, uh, it it was it was really remarkable how how much he was just getting his shit kicked in. I, I left I left this and watching uh. Nolan versus Anthony Henry from Action, and, and I left uh, those matches feeling like Nolan is some kind of weird cross between Darby and Kurt Stallion. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're if you're if you're getting that vibe either. No, I can definitely see that he can do 
he can do both things that, that uh, both those guys do, like you said, just saying, like here in this Cal Jack match. I mean, I think out of anybody on the show, he worked the most like he was in a professional wrestling match. Um, but it didn't, it wasn't glaring and bad because he was, it was like a squash, like you're saying. So his bumping and selling was a lot more like you would do in a pro wrestling match. And that's kind of the Darby thing. And then, yeah, trying to be the, you know, doing the shoot badass, or, you know, trying to be the tough guy thing that he did uh, against Anthony Henry is definitely a lot like uh, like the Kurt Stallion. Definitely can see that. But he's also, I mean, Kurt did a couple of rough stuff, but I think that Nolan Edwards has also got a little bit of that he would do death matches. I don't know that he has, but I think he's got that background of being a guy who I would not be shocked to also see him, you know, use some uh, some light tubes or some glass or something like that. So maybe throw in a little like uh, Drew Parker or something there too. He's the, the pretty boy. Um, pretty boy deathmatch guy t- as well um, mixed in there and and yeah I think that but I also think that he's like poised to he's one of the like guys who's looking like a, a, a next breakout guy who I'm not like a, I, I think that there's promise there because he did show yeah, the but, diversity here yeah but like, but even then like what's that even mean now like after like this in their fucking signing Daniel like Daniel Garcia like, yeah, I know. I know. Like, 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 what, like, what's that even? What's that even mean anymore? <laughs> yeah, if they sign Ben Carter already, what chance do we have that Nolan Edwards isn't signed within the next month? Exactly. I mean, that's exactly it. Um, though he's got like a weird background because I think he uh, he worked for Impact Wrestling as like a video guy, and they didn't want to let him be a wrestler or let him wrestle at all because he was part of the office. Um, so really? He quit. Yeah, he's got this weird story where I think he quit his job working for impact as like an office person because he wanted to focus on wrestling um which is interesting too because of how young he is that kind of story is usually like an older guy um but uh but yeah so there's something like that with him so so we'll see but yeah i do think i i and like talked about building up cal jack as like a project guy for barnett and it's like i don't even know what they're doing with him because he could also be just being built up to lose to someone like davy boy smith or or Jeff Cobb, or even Chris Dickinson, you know what I mean? Because I, I don't know how deep Barnett's thought process is with the booking, because it does seem like he's got projects, but he's also got, he's like smart enough to know to like build up people that are just meant to be roadblocks for the bigger people moving forward. Um, Lawler versus Grimm, I will say, for me, honestly, the most disappointing match on the, on the show. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I was... Like, I was I was a little disappointed. Like, obviously, like, we're both uh, big, big fans of Tom, but Graham, he can be good, and he's been good yeah. at settings like this. It just felt like, for some reason, it just didn't click. That we saw the we saw these two click in MLW. It just didn't click yeah. here for some reason. Yeah, it was very odd in this setting. It just it was just not working for them, and it it could go into something you know that I've kind of said is Tom Lawler to me is a natural baby face, and I think that maybe not having a crowd hurts him in some ways because he plays off of the crowd. He really does. Um, in the wrestling so you would think shoot style he'd be okay and he has been in the past we've seen him do shoot style stuff and have it be good but i think i think it's probably it might be he might be one of these guys who just doesn't get it up if there's not a crowd there you know and that may be that may be part of it um davy boy smith versus tankman i heard some negative reviews on this i didn't personally i didn't really see it like i thought that this was really good um i have to i have to say i fucking loved josh barnett and this is a dumb thing but josh barnett calling him hands of stone calvin tankman i fucking marked out for that because you know like that goes back that's an old wrestling nickname obviously um for you know like terry garvin and stuff um so it's like okay cool um or ronnie garvin what the fuck i was thinking about terry garvin because of all that stuff that just recently came out with the ring boys um 
Ron Garvin, you know, being the hands of stone and I'd like that nickname could come back and a guy like Calvin Tankman being the hands of stone, I think is pretty cool. Um, but that said, I mean, Calvin Tankman has, has excelled. I thought I was thinking about it, but he's been doing the UWFI stuff in paradigm pro, but he has excelled in the shoot style stuff. And I don't know that, uh, what kind of shoot background or anything he actually has, but he fits right in there. It's, it's he, kind he of like, the like Vader. he has, he, he seems like he has some kind of like, like some kind of kickboxing, like, right. Like, like I would say that's probably that's probably as far as it goes, because um, he does because he does implement that in his regular in his regular pro style matches too, but yeah, Tankman as like this like kind of like Vader like figure across uh, across indie wrestling like I've I've been I've been loving it especially like going back to like that uh that Eric Stevens match from Black Label from Black Label Pro that we both love like yeah like you know when they when when they cast Calvin Tankman perfectly like he can come across like as big of a star as anybody. Yeah. He's another one that it's kind of insane that he's not signed honestly already. Um, but we'll see where it goes from there. Like, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he's hopefully he doesn't get signed because yeah, his, if you use him right, he's a really important like addition to the, um, to the indie landscape right now. And we get the main event, Chris Dickinson versus Jeff Cobb. I was shocked to hear Chris Dickinson's the only person who's wrestled on every blood sport show, even the, God. even the Matt Riddle one. It's crazy to think about, man. And like, I was talking about him last, last episode already. This is the guy he's like, we're at the level now where this is a guy who could be in new Japan. He's the guy that's been on every, like, I don't know if he's just like fucking poison or what the deal is, why no one wants to touch him. No big companies want to sign him or anything. Um, we'll see. Maybe he, maybe he'll get into new Japan, but yeah, like Dickinson is, Dickinson is this indie warrior. He's stuck on the card. And you know what? I'm not going to shit too much on him. I don't think that he's suited for shoot style, but he has gotten a lot better. Like, he is somewhat believable here. Um, and he's willing to to bump and get his ass kicked, too, you know? So, like, this was a pretty good situation for him. He got to show off. And they're clearly trying the booking and, you know, Barnett's doing the commentary. They're trying to build a story out of something like this. We're coming out of it. It felt like his story was more important than Cobb's even though Cobb wins it it felt like this was the whole point of this was trying to get over Chris Dickinson by having a hard-fought loss against a much bigger and much more skilled opponent so you know I think that they actually did a pretty good job of getting that across you don't always see them be able to pull off that storyline super well but but you know I mean it's Dickinson I, I I'm not gonna say this match was great but he served his role really well and the storyline that they were they were trying to tell they pulled off um, but yeah, the, the match itself, you know, not, it's not going to be making my match of the year contender list at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Um, but I think Dick, Dickinson is so weird because like, I've always enjoyed him on some level, but to continue to see him in this position where like, just by default, he's a top guy. And that you all that they kind of have this like desire to like build things around him or build things for him is so weird to get out of that mindset that like Dickinson is like a pet project of Drew Cordero. Like, like it's so hard to see, like to like sit there and see this like transpiring in the on the biggest indie in the world. But yeah, you're right. Like it felt it felt a lot more like it was for Dickinson really than it. Had anything to had had anything to do with Jeff Cobb and like remember like Dickinson's the guy that got the Moxie match he's he's sitting there facing Jeff Cobb the guy the guy with the most credentials on the show like clearly that's like that's the level they view Dickinson at even if it's not even like totally like 
understandable or like you know reasonable <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he's definitely i mean what is indie wrestling right now in america especially on top of like with the pandemic and you talked about everyone getting signed or anything but he is like kind of out kicking his coverage you know and it's he is like he's in a position that's higher than really he should be me and that's coming from like me and you who are both fans of his like we're not we've neither one of us have ever really like been a chris dickinson hater but it is like i know what he is and where he should be and him being this guy top 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 guy just it seems fucking crazy um but uh yeah i mean that's i guess that's it for for gcw um do you do you you, like have any hope that like the next show is gonna be better or do you think just like just like they're just kind of like the same kind of like mediocre uh top to bottom thing is gonna be is gonna be it for the for gonna be it for this show too even with even having moxley versus uh davy boy I think the Moxley versus Davy Boy will be better, so you'll have a better main event because that probably will be the main event. Um, I do think that there's there's obviously something to the idea that we build eventually to getting Moxley versus um, Barnett. So I think that that would be interesting to see what kind of seeds we get sown there. But I do have to say, like probably it's going to still be somewhat disappointing, and part of that is that I think that this is. I think that not doing a tournament definitely hurts, right, obviously. Um, And I also think that this is like Josh Barnett looking at this as a bigger thing. So I think that he's in building mode right now. So he's not just trying to put together matches for the sake of having good matches. He's trying to build and tell stories and stuff. And so where we go from there, it really depends. It's especially hard because you don't know who you're going to have. Like, who are you going to have access to in three months six months a year who's still going to be around for if you are trying to build stories so that is one of the things it's really easy to dump on gcw for not telling any stories but it is also like i mean how can they elena fucking black got signed out from underneath them they had her booked for a match and she couldn't even like who the (laughs) fuck is she you know um but yeah i guess speaking of her we're not necessarily going to get into her but it does make me think about getting into maybe a little bit of potpourri stuff um DDT, you watched some of the Kawasaki Kawasaki Strong. Um, yeah, I watched the top three matches. Yeah, top three matches. Okay. Um. So wait, do you mean the actual three like chronologically or? The... Oh, oh, oh! I, 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 I forgot that there was like some six man title match. Um, yes. No, I watched um, you um Okabayashi and Hiroshima versus uh. Yukio Naya and Kazusada Higuchi. I watched Ueno and Sakaguchi, and I watched Akiyama versus Endo. Yeah. Okay. That's what I figured you meant. Um, Naya looked good, right? Like, the, I, I mean, good, 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 good is for him. Stro- good is strong. <laughs> I mean, it's the best I've seen him, honestly. I mean, he still is super fucking awkward. Um, some of the stuff is not even him, honestly. Like, he's not good. But also, like, there's, like, some striking that he doesn't do a good job selling, but also, like, the strikes don't look good. Like, particularly, there's some knees from um, Hiroshima that I'm like, Nye did not help them by selling them to make them look better, but they also, like, didn't look very good on their own and were barely connecting, so kind of can't completely blame him. Um, uh, But, yeah, I mean, this was the best that I've seen him. He's in there with three phenomenal wrestlers. Um as far as I'm concerned. And uh, so, obviously, if, if 
he had like completely shit the bed and ruined this match that would not be good but super awkward can barely control his body falls all over the place doesn't have good footing but i guess what like he's his second generation sumo or his grandfather was like a really really famous sumo so there's like some name recognition and that's why it's worthwhile to them to keep using him but but yeah i mean he is uh he definitely stood out like a sore thumb the only thing i'm hoping for is that that we're building to continuing to have Hiroshima and uh, Okobayashi as a tag team in DDT, and eventually we can get Eruption versus them because that would be that'd be obviously a lot better than this. He like he's so weird, like because I feel, I feel like it, he he doesn't belong in DDT, and it's not from like a quality of a wrestler standpoint. Like DDT, like DDT's roster is so good. It's just like in order to like makes makes like use of a of like a sack of shit like Yuki Onaya, like he should be in Big Japan. Like he should be like yeah. learning from fucking like Nakanue and Kawakami and even like Daichi Hashimoto and Sakamoto and shit like that. Like he should not be in DDT. Like messing with these guys. Like in order to like get anything out of this dude, I feel like it would be like as like a fucking 2014 Big Japan guy. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And, like, he was in most of the match. That was the other thing that I didn't understand. Like, is it is Higuchi just trying to take the night off, or is he, like, is he just that, like, not smart I felt to like, realize? I, I, I felt like the match was, like, kind of revolved around him, like, yeah. purposefully. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like that was intentional, which I don't, I don't understand. Other than, like I said, if the idea is that you're building to the Eruption Tag Team match, so you don't want to give away a ton of it. Because, I mean, we don't even really get Higuchi and Nokobayashi interacting. And to me, true, like, that's, true, true. That's, 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 that's also a good, that's also a good point. Like, you know, building to, build, building to an actual eruption versus a, you know, piss smile tag, tag, yes. tag match. <laughs> yes. Um, but I mean, I, for, like, for all that being said, like, it's still Higuchi, Okabayashi, and Harashima in the same match. Like, of course, it's gonna, it's gonna be great. And if, like, you're looking for people to get something, out of a completely useless wrestler like Harashima and Okabayashi are about as good as a uh, answer as you can get without saying Daniel Bryan or something. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, man, could you imagine Harashima and Daniel Bryan against each other right now? Um, <laughs> all right. So, so I guess next we'll talk about the the semi main event, uh, Junakiyama versus Tetsuya Endo, uh, second best match, second most important champion. Um, no, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sakaguchi versus Ueno. I mean, come on. <laughs> I re- I really want to treat this like it's the main event. I'm not lying. Like th- this fucking ruled, and Ueno is the fucking man. Like what is, what is going on with it? Like he was. Go- I guess Nautilus. Like, you know, he's really good in the tag team, and the tag team was like you know tag some people's tag team of the year. Some people's kind of not really tag team of the year, but even though their video still says that they were. Um, But, like, it feels like I didn't think about how good he was going to be as a single, but the second that he's been running on this singles with the Universal title run, he has been fucking amazing. And this match was like, oh, my God. The, The grappling that he was doing and like I loved the finish on that as well like he was really yeah. showing showing that he could hold his own with Sakaguchi when it came to grappling um striking high flying like everything he was just like on fucking fire here like god damn <laughs> right like the like the like the uh little little bit of armor he was doing I liked I liked that touch uh 
Sakaguchi being being able to shrug him off for the most part, and then when when Ueno was starting to get momentum back, going trying to go back to that arm, and Sakaguchi just again kicking the ever living shit out of him. Like again, it's, it's everything. When a match delivers everything that you just want it to be, like again, like that's just good enough for you sometimes. And it went up, it went above that. Like Ueno selling, Sakaguchi selling, and even the finish and the way they set it up, like. I was convinced that Sakaguchi was gonna win. That was gonna win this match. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have I, been shocked. I, yeah, I like not often does a result like actually catch actually catch catch me off guard. But Ueno actually being able to pull off the victory here in the way that he did, like got an actual audible reaction out of me, and that to me and that to me is a testament of how much they reeled me in with the work in this match. Yeah, no, it was it was phenomenal, and yeah, him getting taking out Sakaguchi with the with the choke like and the post match that fucking I popped so big for the like the old school the referee having to do the special technique to try to wake him up from going out on the sleeper hold like goddamn I love that shit like that is that is that that old school bullshit that I love um so yeah I mean this was like I think it was a big time like I talked about it with the Dickinson and, and Jeff Cobb thing about like trying to, to get somebody over in a hard fought loss. But this was like a similar story, but it was like really cementing Ueno as the, being the better too. It, it was like a really hard fought match. He went toe to toe with a guy that on paper, he shouldn't be able to like, shouldn't be able to like out grime out, like and, and, strike and, and, and out. Like someone that was kicked, and someone else kicking his ass all tour. Like, you yeah. watch the video package, like, Sakaguchi was kicking his ass all tour, and, like, the video package ends off with him, like, I get, like, you know, like, kick, like, kicking him or something, and then taking his title and, and, and standing on his back. Like, Sakaguchi <laughs> owned him throughout the entire tour. Yeah. Sakaguchi is all over him. Sakaguchi has the grittiness, the toughness. Sakaguchi has the shoot background. Sakaguchi has, there's all the reasons why. Former KOD openweight champion. Yeah, exactly. Bigger on the on like the top. I beat them. He beat them for the tag team championships just recently. Like everything about it, scream like it makes sense. So it's this valiant kind of underdog who just comes and he gets the big win. And yeah, I I I loved it the way it was put together. Everything and more Ueno on this fucking not. It's not just like the stuff that me and you talk about where it's like he's on this march to being you know the best wrestler in the world and having all this but clearly also in the ddt hierarchy the march towards becoming bigger and being pushed more at the top like he's moving he's moving forward and that's why something like him dropping the title here like you said wouldn't have been insane because i can't i would not be shocked to see him moving towards the the open weight title like relatively soon um which is the next match follow it up open weight championship and like good but after that like stuff like the selling not being great stuff like really like insanely missed dives you know stuff just not being as crisp and as on point was like super glaring for this being the main event and of course you're not going to get the same level of of like athleticism when you have someone who's probably like twice the age of, of one of the people in the match before in Junakiyama how old he is um but but you know, still a big time story. But it was it was really tough for me and and for this match in a lot of ways. I don't think it was terrible, but I think Endo is Endo. <laughs> I, I'm, I just don't. I I've never been into him. I've never really gotten why people super are into him. I think that he hits some cool spots here and there and stuff looks good. But 
I just I'm not invested in him and I'm I thought that he was not on here particularly and June was was good in his role but stuff like yeah just like coming across like really stiff and not being super dynamic and not selling super well throughout kind of hurt his performance although like you know when he's when he's in control which was a good portion of the match he was really good and stuff like the knee cell when he jumps off the apron I thought was really good you know like there was some stuff like that and some of the selling but like there was other times where it was just like I was just seeing nothing from him and he just kind of kind of barely there I don't know like am I crazy did you really love this because I'm seeing some people who are just in love with this match oh no but they're they're perverts no I this was good I enjoyed it uh I thought Akiyama selling was a bit better than I think you and uh, even Simon feel like it was I'm not saying it's great or anything but I still enjoyed his selling for most of the match Endo's leg work, like, Endo's not really good at that kind of shit. Like, he can do it, but it's just not really his thing. So, it's not really, like, an Endo performance that, I'm, that I was super in love with. But, I like June a lot here for the, mo- for the most part. Um, I love his, I love his use of that, of that short pile driver as a, transi- as a transition spot now. The outside brawling wasn't great. Uh, but... You know, a better finishing, a better finishing stretch, like considering uh, than you'd expect, considering like the, the like the like the uh, the gulf between the two guys as far as like athletic athleticism at this at this stage in their uh, careers and lives. But it didn't feel like it went overboard, and it felt like a real definitive win for June. Like Endo has had his moment; he's had his reign. He's 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 been dom- dominating the belt for for a while now, and the way that he put Endo down felt really defi- felt really definitive, um, you know, as we're, as we're heading towards whatever the plans for Akiyama are. So, from that perspective, I really enjoy I really enjoyed it, and I thought that some aspects of June's performance were really good. But no, I I, I can't say I love this. I probably I think I went went like three and a quarter or three and a half on it. It's, it's still yeah. good. I still liked it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely fair, and that's probably right about where I'm at. And I think that yeah, you're right. Like Endo is about as established as he's going to ever be. I don't think that he, there's too many more big matches or big scalps that you could give him that would make him feel like a bigger, more important guy than he is at the level that he is. And that's the only like, thing. The only thing is like him finally getting a Takashita win. Like that'd be the only a Takashita win in an important spot. Like that'd right. be the only thing. Yeah, like Judgment Day or, or Peter Pan or something. Like to that level of importance, getting a big win, um, right, would probably be yeah, like like something that they could still give him. But I don't know, like I said, I don't know that that like establishes him anymore. I think it adds to his storyline and stuff like that. But I, I think he's at the level that he's at, and we've talked about it, uh, you know, ad nauseum at this point in DDT, which is that like I've always really liked the way that DDT they have a hierarchy, but they also have like the ability to really like flux the hierarchy. I mean, shit, someone mentioned it in the Slack, and it might have even been you. It may have been someone else, but, like, saying, like, you know, Kenoka has been open, <laughs> has been the open weight championship, or been the open weight champion at this point, and uh, Haguchi still hasn't, or whatever. It's like, God <laughs> damn, eh, yeah, that's that was true. Me. It, that was you. It's, and it's like, yeah. okay, that's, it's true, but, you know, it is what it is. But DDT does a good job where, like, anyone, anyone can be the open weight champion at some point, and also anyone can be, like, in some goofy fucking comedy 12-man tag team match or whatever. What? Is it 10-man or 20-man tag team, the weird fucking championships that they have? Um, I think it was 20, and then now it's 16 or something. Either way. Um, 
but yeah it's like anyone can go from the top to the bottom of the card and work in any different place but there is still like in the moment there's a hierarchy and people are presented it a certain way at the time but that can flux like pretty quickly and pretty easily um so yeah that's why i say like endo is where he's at and i don't think that there's much else that they can do um that said i mean june playing his role here as the the older veteran who's he's just got something he's on fire right now and even though his body should be broken down um and he shouldn't be able to go against someone like you know this much younger than him there's way more athletic than him right now he's just there's there's something still in there that just makes it so he just is able to gut it out and pull this stuff out i think you're right that they did a good job it wasn't glaring there was never any point during this where it looked like like i said june was a little bit stiff at times and it made some of his selling less less uh, dynamic to me but there was never really any time where he felt like out of place like he was wrestling against someone who just he just could not at all keep up with um which is pretty impressive and was you know part of the structure of the match um, um uh, before we move on uh, we have the full card for Bloodsport Five. If you want to hear it, oh, did that just get announced? Uh, look, yeah, it looks like it. Like I'm just, right. I'm seeing the full card now. All right, let's uh, do it. so obviously, uh, Mox versus Davy Boy Smith, uh, okay. Jeff Cobb versus Tom Lawler, um, Chris Dickinson versus J.R. Kratos, huh. uh, Alice Coughlin versus Royce Isaacs. Okay, Super Beast I like that. Ver- Super Super Beast versus Cal Jack. Calvin Calvin Sankman versus Nolan Edwards, mm. uh, bad dude Tito versus uh, Carter McCall, and uh, a surprise uh, we got Rocky Romero versus versus Simon Grimm. Oh, has Simon Simon Grimm hasn't shown up on like New Japan Strong or anything like that, huh? So I'm, I don't I don't believe so. Yeah, no. So that's an interesting one because if you look at it like the first show, the New Japan guys who are under contract only wrestle against like New Japan guys. Or at least like New Japan adjacent guys. Coughlin wrestled uh, uh, Kratos, who's been on New Japan Strong, and Cobb wrestled uh, Dickinson. Dickinson, who's also been on New Japan Strong. So Rocky Romero is a New Japan signed guy, and he's wrestling against. Uh, I mean, he's a Team Filthy guy, so I think this is also another sign that probably Team Filthy becomes a bigger part of of uh, New Japan Strong and possibly New Japan in general. I wouldn't mind seeing a Team Filthy show up in New Japan, honestly. Um, right, it might be a breath of fresh air, but it's you know it seems a little bit unlikely. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some stuff in there that I like, but it's a lot of just mixing around the same guys. But I think that there is some stuff that's better there. I think you said um, Royce Isaacs versus who was it? Um, uh, Coughlin. Coughlin, like that's that'll be a better match than what either guy had um, on the other show. I think that they're more suited to wrestle against each other there. Um, um and Tank, uh, Calvin Tankman versus Dolan Edwards. Yeah, that's an interesting one because that's a match that could have and maybe did happen in Paradigm Pro already. So it's like, okay, um, we'll see how that they do against each other. And it also will be interesting to see what that means for, I mean, either guy really. Like, is that a match to give Tankman some heat back or is that a match to give Edwards some heat back? It's It'll be interesting to see where they're moving with people. So there's a lot in there that has to do with booking and, and hierarchy and where they're trying to like build people to that's interesting maybe even in some ways more interesting than the matches. I still think coming out of it, the Moxley versus, um, versus is it? Yeah. It's, it's Davy boy is maybe the most interesting match to me on paper. Uh, for, Oh, for sure. Um, I, th- I think for me, like I was other than, uh, Mox versus Davy, like just for my personal taste and like the, but and like the wrestlers, I'm in, wrestlers I'm invested, invested in, it'd be uh Tankman versus Edwards. 
But that Coughlin versus Isaacs match, like I'm, I, I I'm curious. I really, I really hope that's good. I really, really yeah. hope that's good. Yeah, I, I honestly really like Royce Isaacs in this blood sports setting, and and you know I never was like not a fan of his, but I think that he's he's a guy who I'm going to be intrigued to see what he continues doing in uh, in blood sports setting. Um, so yeah. Uh, the next thing I was gonna ask, did you watch? Did you watch any of the um, AEW women's tournament stuff? No, like you said, so much wrestling. I think I didn't get to that. I uh, didn't get to any of Noah. Um, yeah. I watched some of the Lucha Memes show. Um, Ricky Marvin versus Tony, Ricky Marvin versus Tony Deppin. Uh, was weird at first. Got good. Uh, started started to enjoy it. Uh, Daniel Garcia versus Arez. It was fine, yeah. I guess. Um, and then John, and then Jonathan, and then Jonathan Gresham for Arami. So I mean, like again, like that delivered as as you would as you would expect it to. Definitely. Um, and then and then I watch and then I watch some of the action action shows. Uh, Koo versus Yay High and uh, Nolan Edwards versus Anthony Henry were both great as you as you would expect with those being some marquee matches there. And obviously, like the big news coming out of that, Eric, uh, Eric Royal being the new action champ. Uh, you know, dethroning yeah. AC Mac. So, if you want to talk about that a little bit after you t- after you touch on um the AEW women, women women stuff, we can do that. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, for me coming out of it, um, I mean it it was interesting. Like the the people who won the 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 basically to me the more interesting stuff is the booking. The matches themselves were kind of fine. Everything was quick but not like insanely fast except for Aja Kong obviously can can barely move but what are you gonna do um but yeah I mean I just to me I thought that like especially like Vinny that they're calling her um Asuka and Maki Ito losing was very odd to me I just to me they were like kind of the two that I would have moved forward with um so yeah I mean We'll see Yuka Sakazaki versus Aja Kong to me f- probably feels like the main or the the final that you go with, and I don't know who you have win depending on uh, on who's gonna win the American side. Uh, I would I would, I would any any scenario I would go Yuka like like Aja for I can whatever see that. like for whatever name value she has like it should, it should that should be Yuka that wins that. Yeah, and I could definitely see that especially because you basically you do the the semifinal or I guess it's not the semifinals but you do the. Um, the quarterfinal in this bracket um, as another match to help build up Aja and then so you can really have Yuka Sakazaki be like the underdog going up against the big monster um, as the final and that would probably be your best bet for I guess it's not the final it's the semifinal uh, for this side of the bracket and uh, and then that way yeah you can move forward with because Yuka Sakazaki is going to give you the best match for the final out of the people that are left like I said I still probably would have I honestly probably would have went with Maki Ito and like I said second choice would have been Asuka um, Venny but whatever they, they're going the way that they're going um, so yeah that was that um, what else did you I know you mentioned the action what else did you oh the you, Lucha yeah you, you went over the Lucha stuff as much as we need to I do think that the uh, the Grisham Arami match was really good um, yeah um, but everything on that show was hurt by the crowd and the commentary if I'm perfectly honest oh um, yeah for, for sure like I don't know who that dude is or why they had him commentating, but like he sounded so completely disinterested in doing anything that was like lucha related to the point where like I, we mentioned it off air, but like 
when it's two Mexican wrestlers facing each other, like in Black Taurus versus Laredo Kid, that can like that conveniently he's not there. Yeah. It it's really weird that he was the guy that went on commentating because it's to the point of like just don't fucking do commentary. Like, right. like like there's plenty of people on the show that people some people know. People know Daniel Garcia. People know people know uh people know people know Tony Depp and people know Fred Yehai. They know Jonathan Gresham. Like a lot of people probably know Black Tourist and, L- and Laredo Kid. Like you didn't you didn't need to have like a bad commentary track over top over top over top of the show. Yeah. No, definitely. And it yeah, like I said, it didn't it did not help. Um and it was another kind of disappointment. This was like probably the worst Wheeler Yuta performance I've ever seen. I mean it was kind of taken aback that's, by like that. that that I didn't I didn't get I didn't get to see that. That sucks because like Extreme Tiger versus Yuta on paper sounds like it could be good. Yeah. No, I was ex- I was expecting something decent because I've actually liked Extreme Tiger. It sucks that I have not seen him like really at all in a in a while. Yeah, um, maybe is that I haven't seen like was he bad in it? He was fine. Like he wasn't great, but he, he was fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess he wasn't. No, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, Yuta was just off. He was wrestling a completely different style. It was just, like, I was just not getting, like, part of Yuta is just his selling and his underdog charm and charisma, and I just was not getting really any of that from him um, in the match, so it just kind of made it, kind of made me check out. Extreme Tiger was fine, but I guess also Extreme Tiger just didn't, he didn't have anything either. There was, like, nothing, I couldn't tell who was face who was like heel it really felt like it was kind of more of just like a baby face baby face match um if just nothing like kind of tweener match and like yeah it just there was just nothing there and i didn't watch the main event um not necessarily yeah. just yeah. because of mecha wolf but that doesn't hurt but like you know um i just didn't i just didn't i had no interest really in it like on if i'm perfectly honest freddy aha is the only guy in the match that i care about so it's just like eh, didn't go out of my way to watch it um when it comes to the action stuff, I really, I honestly didn't know that there was two action shows until like last night. Um, I only caught the only thing I've watched was uh, the Freddie A. High versus Kevin Koo and Eric Royal versus AC Mack. Oh, actually, you know what? I did watch. Actually, I watched almost all of the uh, Eyes on the Throne show. Now that I think about it, except for Cells versus Jaden Newman, which now I see it was like three minutes, so it was just nothing. I guess I must have just missed it, <laughs> like not even realize that the match because i remember matt sells coming out and me kind of being like i don't give a shit and then uh and then i guess the match was just over um alex kane um i really like him i really like alex kane a lot um this match was not with chase holiday was not like the best performance i've seen from him or like the best setting i've seen for him but uh i am a big fan of alex kane um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more from him. Uh, he just just recently saw him have a match, and I can't think of what it was. Um, I think it was on the No Hook show. Yeah, No Hook. He was wrestling some guy who I don't remember their name, but uh, he was throwing this motherfucker around. It was really good. So the new No Hook on uh, IWTV, and he's in the opening match against someone who I've never heard of before. He just he tosses this dude. It's pretty great. Um, Yehai versus Koo fucking ruled. Like. I might need to watch it again, but I could see having this in the conversation for, like, match of the year so far, match of the year contender. Um, it probably wouldn't. It's relatively quick, but uh, it's, like, all fucking action. Like, these guys just beat the piss out of each other. 
two really good wrestlers. Kevin Koo, I think weirdly now underrated, like as a singles wrestler. I think for a long time I like whatever, not a big fan of his. And then like he's had this long tag team run with Dominic Garini where the focus has been on the tag team. And I think pretty much everyone has agreed that he's really good as in the tag team. But I think the few kind of singles matches that we've seen him have recently, um, especially in action, which is like one of the only places where they just book him singles, um, been kicking ass. So yeah, Kevin Koo, a guy who I would I would not be upset about seeing him have a few more singles matches um, in general because yeah, this was really really good. Um, oh, and- did you um did you see uh, Garini versus uh, Dan- what the fuck is his name like? Damien Tangrian or some some shit like that. Oh no no, was this okay? I've seen that yeah, guy actually. Now that I think about it, I have seen that guy. Oh wait, that that's from a different action show, right? That's from like uh... yeah. yeah, yeah. I did see that. Yes, I did see that. Okay, you, you, did you like that? Yeah yeah no, I loved that. Oh wait no no no, is this? Sorry, I saw Damien Tangari yeah, against guess... someone else. I think. Okay, well, it's the um, yeah, that that's the show with uh, with Henry versus Henry, Henry versus, versus Nolan. Nolan Edwards. Yeah, yeah, I haven't watched that show yet, because I I All was right. only watching the other show. Um, like I said, I think I was watching it live even, and I like didn't realize that it was a double header that they were doing two shows. So I uh, I I haven't I, until like last night, and then I'm like, oh shit, there's another action show. This is where the Anthony Henry matches. I need to uh, I need to watch that. But I think I saw that Tangrian Tangaren guy on uh yeah i saw him against cabana man dan on the bangers only show and that match kicked ass ten graya or whatever is actually he seems pretty pretty good i'd like to see more yeah, he's of him. decent yeah but yeah that the the dom match no go ahead t- like tell me about whatever you saw on the other show because i didn't see any of it oh yeah um obviously uh edward edwards versus uh henry and like the kind of like passing of the torch moment there was re- was really good uh Garini, Garini versus versus Tangra. You'll you'll really you'll really like that. Um, not sure, but I, uh, I, for, I forgot what show Suge D versus Cabana versus Cabana Man. Dan That's on, on the other show. That's on this show with Anthony Henry and Nola Edwards. Uh, do you don't yeah, remember that? It? That I do. I do remember. I do. Man, that was it was fucking late last night. Sure. sure. Um, yeah that 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 was that was good. Really, both both the shows are good. Like it's. Action and I guess up whenever they when the next time they run, like for me, like they're the only like really like the only indies that like are worth watching right now. Yeah, like I really can't imagine watching anything, like uh, watching anything other than that. Like it feels like Southern indies, like you know, like they like they're the like they're the ones that kind of like have me like coming back looking to see like okay like who's the new person who's the new person who's someone i'm gonna like now because it feels like everywhere else like it just like isn't really having that right now when and i guess like the midwest but paradigm pro like they're you know they have they have their talent they're bringing up and everywhere is still like you know in different phases of trying to like start running again you know in, in the in the midst of the pandemic but action and sup like really are the only ones that kind of like, are keeping my interest in like the u.s indies even remotely like you know intact well okay so i thought about this as you're talking about it and this is you know i'm not trying to make the like the twitter argument about how many bumps have you taken or whatever but there is i think something to promotions that are run by wrestlers versus promotions that are run by 
marks who used to be referees or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there is a right. difference there because if you look at an action show, you it, matches don't get more than like ten minutes unless they need it. And that I think speaks to someone like Matt booking the action show who gets it that like he the talent that he has or at the level that they are some of the wrestlers that he have are really good and he still doesn't give them a ton of time some of the wrestlers that he has are really fucking green and maybe can do a few things well and like be pretty cool and doesn't really give him a chance to get overexposed you let him get out there and you just let him have a match and then it's over like i when i started this i swear to god when i started this tangent i did not mean to get here but when you have a wrestling promotion that's not run by wrestlers, former wrestlers who have a realistic perception of the talent level of the people that are in there, you end up with stuff like Jordan Oliver going two hours because that's a guy <laughs> who you don't give that kind of time to. You know what I mean? Cause you look at him and you know, no, I, he doesn't need to go that fucking long. He doesn't have it to do two hours, you know? So, but it's like, yeah, like I, I do think that there is something to that sup in action are you know booked by people who understand like the talent that i have is at this level and there's no reason that i need to give them longer than 10 minutes like you don't need longer than 10 minutes to have a match when you've had maybe like a dozen matches so far in your career promoting is promoting and like running and running a show like like yeah you want to see people like venture out of their death sometime and like you know show like show and show you and show you something worthwhile but like it's about catering to catering to the strengths of your roster catering catering to the strengths of your promotion like you're not and you're not gonna do that by sitting there like but what you're saying like fucking putting jordan oliver out there for two hours for no for whatever fucking reason like that's the things about sup in action like even if you feel like some of the talent isn't up to isn't up to par from what you might see later on in the show like that's okay like they're the openers like that's like that like that's fine like nothing here nothing on action or sub overstays as welcome and then when they bring in guys that have the guys that have names or when they give something time you know when they give it time that like these people are gonna go out there and deliver yeah exactly and when you say that like it's not even just that like that that uh that they overstay their welcome like most of the matches at the end of it you want more most of the matches like because of how quick they make them go it's not even just that they like don't overstay the welcome but they leave you wanting more you kind of are going like oh man i can't wait to see you know that person wrestle again whoever it is like i was talking about alex kane i mean i've seen him in a couple other places but primarily i've seen a good amount of him here in action and every one of his matches is like under 10 minutes and when it's over i'm like i want to see more of that guy i really like him and it's because they kept the match short and it was quick and he did some cool stuff and i'm like okay i want to see that guy again and there is something to that like leaving the people wanting more is not a bad thing you're not leaving money on the table if anything you're building more money for the future because now i'm excited to see your next show now i'm excited to see more of your wrestlers because i you didn't like overexpose them and give them like show me too much but unfortunately we're in the era of 24-hour wrestling streams man like we're at the point of like there is no such thing as giving people too much like you just burn the fucking crowds out as much as possible i guess there's no crowds right but just burn the people out put way too much content and it's from the top down wwe does it too we'll get into that here in the main event of the evening um but yeah like like seeing stuff that's short and sweet and at the end of it i want to see more is definitely a lot more worthwhile than like killing me with this over over the top way too much portions 
but but yeah, everyone go everyone go watch those uh, two action shows. Like it's like again, like is it ever is it gonna be like constantly stuff that's like blowing you away? No, but you're gonna find new talent that you probably didn't see before, and then you have established people like Kevin Koo and Fred Yehai and Eric Royal and Anthony Henry and newer crop guys like like no like Nolan like Nolan Edwards shining. And again, like like if these shows and this those goes for action sub, even like you know for for at one point P, at one point P, PWX, like you'll find, you'll see somebody that like probably could wind up making making up the ranks pretty quickly. You know, fucking Ben Carter, Ben Carter really came really really came from it, really came from there. And yeah. I think I think that like you know like Ben Carter is not gonna like they might start associating him with like Black Label Pro or some shit. But Ben Carter really came for, like you know really came from getting shots in action. Yeah. And you know, like they like there there's a really good eye for talent there. Uh that's that's going that's going on uh in that in that in that little connection. Uh yeah, no, but now I'm gonna but now, now I'm gonna stop now I'm gonna stop raising them, giving them too yes, much credit. Yes, yes. Ben Carter, I mean the first time I saw Ben Carter was the action futures showcase at SCI weekend. And yeah, and hey, that's also the first place I saw Marco stunt, right? You know what I mean? It's like I or maybe I saw him in sub first. Either way, Logan stunt uh maybe don't talk about Logan stunt um but yeah like you know like you said there's an eye for talent here and these people maybe maybe you hear maybe people try to present it like they came out of GCW or wherever but when you really like look at where they were actually you know the first people who noticed them the first people that were pimping them it's uh it's coming from here and and part of the the brain trusts that are the eyes for talent um there right now currently are the same brain trust and the eyes for talent who were some of the first people who were telling us about like a Fred Yehi who I don't think that you can argue is not one of the best wrestlers on the fucking planet and we talked about his match you know here and, and Eric Royal another guy like one of the best wrestlers on the planet and a guy who was on these shows so so they still got the eye on the new talent and they're keeping the the old talent oh Cabana Man Dan gotta give him a shout out too for being great um either way I think I don't think that there was too much else and we're probably missing it and I'll, I'll remember it like the next couple days and be like god damn it I should. you know every now and then I, I sit around and i'm like i should just do like a solo podcast really quick to talk about a couple of things that we forgot or whatever like I, that has crossed my mind so many fucking times because i forget about yeah. stuff i'm never gonna do it i'm never gonna actually do it because it just sounds like hell um not just for me but for the people listening no one wants to hear just me by myself right um but uh main event for the evening saint valentine's day massacre um NXT WWE NXT Takeover Vengeance Day. Um, did you watch this live, Quentin, or I did not were you watch, doing something I, I, good on Valentine's Day? <laughs> I was preoccupied with that kind of stuff, so yeah. I didn't. So I didn't get to. The, I, so I didn't get to that until the next day. Same here. Did not watch it live. Um, why the fuck is NXT running a Valentine's Day show when they normally do their pay per views on Saturdays? Why did they go out of their uh, way to run a, Sunday? A, apparently, like that's been a thing that they've been doing lately. Huh. Like, I don't know, but apparently Brock told me like that's a thing that they've been doing. Yeah, that was weird to me. I was like, because it was Saturday and I was watching the um, Bloodsport because I actually watched that live, like I said, on the illegal stream. Um, and uh, and I was like, okay, like, oh, NXT is going to be later on tonight. And then I looked it up and I was like, it's on Sunday. And yeah, to me, NXT is Saturday night. And especially, why would you go out of your way to run Sunday for Valentine's Day? But I guess they've been doing Sundays. Um, so, eh, all right. Um, there was a dark match and I, I would not have mentioned this if it wasn't for the fact that I had thought about it recently. I was like, why the fuck is like Bronson Reed? Why are they so weirdly hot and cold on him? 
Dark match, Bronson Reed beats Isaiah Swerve Scott. Neither one of us saw this match, but at least it's nice to know that, like, uh, they ha they're not completely done with Bronson Reed. And historically, TakeOver Darks end up getting shown on TV, or at least they used to. Maybe I'm so out of the loop that I don't realize they don't do that anymore. I guess they probably don't because the show's live now. That used to be on pre-taped shows. Um, so probably this will never see the light of day. Uh, opening match on the card proper... The Women's Dusty Cup Finals. Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon come out on this dumbass tank. And they are taking on Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Um, I don't know. This was okay. This was a lot I'll, of flash. I'll, I'll, really? I like, I like this. <laughs> okay, okay. Tell me about it. Like I, I thought that it, I thought it was really fun. I thought the Ember and Shotzi team was was really fun. I like the I like the action. I like the the little flip the flip the flip here on them doing leg work on Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez coming in and cleaning house despite them being like the heel tag team. Um, Dakota sold really well, you know, reminding you that you know what even with this push that they're giving Raquel, Dakota is still really good and should be a, and should be a star eventually, and. I like I liked I liked Ember and Shotzi here. Like, you know, they're like obviously with Shotzi there's gonna be like some kind of like dangerous sloppiness and things like that. But I thought this was I thought this was a really fun match. Like, you know it's gonna it's gonna have the takeover problem of going too long. Like, you know, like the every takeover match has, but I thought I thought this was fun. Yeah, I mean it didn't go too too long. Um, but it's still you could probably cut a couple minutes off. Um I did like the dynamic of Dakota and Raquel here. Um like you're talking about, I thought that they did a really good job with the with their team, and especially because you get to show off what what Dakota is really good at, which is basically being a face in peril. Um, but she's still able to be a heel because she's got the big muscle uh, behind her as her bully bodyguard, right? So, so I think that that's like that dynamic actually works really well from them, like you were saying, um, as a tag team. The, the other side of the team, I mean, I am not like a Shotzi hater, but like you know. I also like understand where she's at and I think that she didn't do a ton here. I think that Ember just really didn't brought me nothing here and it's not her fault, but I'm just like not invested in her at all at this point. Um, I think that they kind of blew the one big shot that they had of doing something with Ember um, in NXT and then having her like never lose, never beat Oscar and just like lose and then eventually get the title. Like she just, I don't know. She just feels like, um, you know, second rate, unfortunately, to me, I'm just never going to see her as like someone that I get super invested in. And she was fine here, but 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 not good, not great. But yeah, I think that the um, Raquel and Dakota team were good. But like, I'm also kind of thrown off by like there was like, and maybe maybe this is just me, but I could have fucking sworn I saw like a tweet or there was an announcement that like Raquel and Dakota were no longer a team, and then they're just like back together, and like it's just like as if that never happened. So that that kind of stuff also, I just feel like messes. It messes up my investment and everything because I feel like stuff just, like, doesn't get followed up. Things get announced and then they change their mind and they change their plans. And it's just, it's more of the bad booking that makes it hard for me to get invested in anything. Even if I enjoy it when it comes to WWE stuff because I know that it's not going to matter in the long run, you know? Right. So, yeah, it's like um, coming out of this. Are they getting a title shot at the Tag Team Champions? Like, I don't... I yeah, don't yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they are. They're going to uh, they're gonna face... Uh... Shayna and Nia Jax at some point. Yeah, which is interesting because you get Dakota versus Shayna, and you can play off some of that, and you've got uh, their muscles against each other, which could be fun. No, cause... I didn't even, I, I didn't even, I didn't even think of that. Like, I, like I didn't even, I didn't even realize it's gonna be, it's gonna be a Dakota and Shayna thing. 
Yeah, so that's it's actually pretty good, especially because I think that Raquel Gonzalez has been really good as the heavy, and her getting to show off against like Naya, who's like treated as like the biggest monster in all of WWE women's roster, would be pretty fun to see what she can do with her. Um, so yeah, that that's that's definitely an intriguing matchup. Um, follow that up with Johnny Gargano versus Kushida. Um, I was I was like wanting to give some hyperbole on this, but realistically, it's like I think to my mind maybe like the third best match on the show. So that's not really even saying much. Um, but uh, I thought that this was pretty good. I really liked the opening. Uh, I like the fire out of Kushida. He's working like a, a hybrid of kind of his earlier style and his later style in New Japan, um, with also putting a little bit more grittiness and a little bit more like physicality in there, which is pretty nice. Um, he's a guy who definitely, if he was given a lot more freedom, I think would be able to thrive in the no fans environment. But unfortunately, because he's unproven and he's a you know an NXT guy, they don't really let him. Um, but even still, like being hampered a little bit, he does a pretty good job of wrestling a style that still works with no crowd, um, which is impressive. Like, I'm just thinking about if you had like a Daniel Bryan versus Kushida match right now, I think that we could end up with something like close to like the Daniel Bryan Gulak match that we got. Uh, early last year where it's like two guys who can really go out there and have a match that works even with no crowd. Um, right. But unfortunately you get something like this where it's like, there's still a little bit, but they paired back a lot of the bullshit that you would expect from like a Johnny Gargano. And realistically, I mean, they did a pretty good job here for not going over the top. Like I, I saw people even still like complaining about the melodramatic stuff. And I understand when the burnout and the everything hits, it makes it so people like just can't get over it. But I think that like, there was not a ton of that here. Yeah, nothing even happened here. Like, I, like I noticed that even like, again, like we get to the main event. I know people talk about that with the main event. It's like, what, like, what are you even talking about? Like, like yeah. I don't really understand. Like, like, like what issue you, you even have here? But yeah. again, it goes long. Like, you know, again, like that's like the typical table problem. So like, even looking, even looking past that, like, I'm Johnny Gargano. Like, uh, I think I and Johnny a little more. And I got to remember that Johnny was still the heel here. So Johnny, you know, if he goes too far, then he kind of comes across sympathetic. So I like the fact that Johnny was still, like, trying to shrug off the pain and not really show it as much. You know, I feel like that takes away from, like, Kushida being being, being the baby face here. And I, I love Kushida. This Kushida performance is fantastic. Johnny, like, for as hit or as he may be with people, Johnny is still really smart. Johnny is still good at a lot of different things so i didn't love this I, I didn't love this as much as some people are like, like some kind of match at the year level or uh wherever they have it but i thought this i thought this was good the best kushida performance i've seen in wwe so far and johnny gargano even getting put down the card uh i think that he's i think that he's been i think i think he's been good for people trying to establish themselves uh in nxt and i think that's a good i think that's a good role for him yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm with you. I think that John, Johnny is actually finally shaking off some of the cobwebs of the like DIY uh, being completely like connected to Tommaso Ciampa, not feeling like his own guy, like having a stable, having Candace. He's starting to develop what feels like his own identity separate from from that, which is good. It's like it's barely starting to, to you know, exist after all these years. Um that said, I mean, I'm with you in a lot of ways, but I also, I kind of hated how clean Johnny ends up winning. Like, I 
for this being such a big heel thing and they even teased it in the beginning with the stuff with the his his stable there and they're looking around and they can't find Austin Theory like it yeah, it feels like it's got to play into it and then yeah, they just beat him clean yeah that was, that was kind of weird like you like, kind of make Jimmy seem heroic like you know accidentally yeah. cuz like okay like the whole thing with him being a coward and not wanting to face Kushida and being afraid of him and having to bring out his whole unit uh, to face to face him until Austin Theory went missing, and then he just beats him clean. That's yeah, that's very counterintuitive to everything that you were laid out for like the whole like, build up until that point. Yeah. Um. So next we get what I would say was the match of the night. Um, and I would say part of the reason why is just like you've said with everything else. Everything else was too long. This was the only match on the night that felt like it was not too long, and possibly you could even say it was too short, or at least. Like I was talking about with action, when we came out of it, I had that feeling of I wanted some more. I wanted to see more of these guys coming out of it. I didn't feel like I was like fucking just overexposed. And after it was done, I felt like I just wanted them to get off my fucking TV screen. Um, which, I mean, huge, major, massive, gigantic, have to give so much credit to Grizzled Young Vets. Because while I've always liked MSK and I've like been pretty much a fan of them... As, like, just purely baby faces, they have never been the most endearing wrestlers. They're never, like, the most charismatic, just pure baby face kind of guys to me. But Grizzled Young Vets did a really good job of, like, this by this match, the setting, everything that happened. Like, by the end of it, like, I was 100% rooting for and behind, like, the MSK team. And it felt like MSK were, like, you know, valiant, amazing baby faces is super into. Um, I know you also... Really enjoyed this match, Quentin. What do you think? Yeah, like, again, I can, I can win your thoughts. I've never been huge on any iteration of the Rascals anywhere. Uh, and, I, and I like and I like Wentz and, and Desmond Xavier. I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of both of those guys, but the Rascals as a team, like, never really did it for me on uh, on a big level, but I get why they became uh, sought-after sought talent. But this is the first time, like... It felt like watching guys that could become stars. It felt like watching like genuine stars. Like what? Uh, uh, what's his name? Nash Nash Carter had like a real genuine fire about him. Obviously, obviously Wesley is just super fucking dynamic and athletic, and as good as a hot tag you're gonna find anywhere. And they have so much cool shit that cool shit that they do. So much, so much other stuff. That, so much other stuff that's memorable because they're small. Because they're smaller, they're always going to be good, good underdog guys. Like, there's so much there to like. Um, how much of that credit goes to the Grizzly Young Veterans? I do think a lot of it just for the match being so good. But you know, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. But maybe the WWE is a good fit for MSK. Um, at least, in terms, at least in terms of NXT, we we know once they get to the main roster, like, or if they ever go to the main roster, it's not going to be much and much of anything going on for them, which is always the shitty part about about when people sign. But for this night, it felt like watching like fucking like a big moment, a big crowning moment of a tag team. Like you're watching like the fucking raw after the hardys and edge and christian had that ladder match or something like you felt like you were watching a tag team like a, like a tag team stars get made get made right in front of you yeah no i'm i was trying to think and it's like now i'm like what where when was it um there was only one other time where i felt like um 
MSK like Rascals team had this same vibe and it was it was uh in Fight Club Pro um I'm trying to remember when it was but it was like they came in and they like I said just had being like endearing baby faces um probably probably like DTTI probably no, it was not. It, that was the thing. It was like random. It was like it felt random. Like they just showed up and they wrestled. Like I can't even remember. It was like it might have been a trios and what's his name was there too. Trey Miguel. Um, yes. It, okay. So it was the Rascals versus More Than Hype, and they show up and uh, and they wrestled More Than Hype and like there was just they were super endearing. They felt like they were having fun. They were just they were like again like super dynamic and just why and like there was like a, a frenetic energy to them that was like like i said like endearing and like for the most part i just don't get that kind of charisma from them as a tag team ever i i'm not like a, a hater of them like i've liked the rascals before i think it really fucking sucks that oh you know what i'm completely wrong it was the schadenfreude match they wrestled okay. against brooks and uh ozzy open and it was like it felt like it was random out of nowhere and it was the same trios but yeah they had like this crazy vibe and they just like were the most endearing baby faces um either way like i've been fans of them but i felt like ever since the the stuff with the dragon gate split and they like left dragon gate and then were like part of um the Stronghearts thing they really just got completely derailed from the momentum that it felt like they had when it came to not just quality in ring but also like developing their charisma and their character and stuff and it is like god damn they had this like really like they were hitting this peak and they were supposed to be the thing and they win the pwg tag team titles and then like it all just fell apart like it really did feel like they were going that way and i do think that like if you weren't paying attention i think that people see it as like oh it's just more of the same but they were clearly hitting a crest and they were starting to put something together and then all that stuff happened. The Dragon Gate, the Dragon Gate departure stuff, like really did kind of derail the momentum that they had. And then the obviously, like COVID and all this stuff happened, which made it even worse. But like they were improving and they were like showing a different side of of like what they could have been um, before everything happened. And then like in Impact, they put together something. They had a thing. They were doing the Rascals thing, and it was like you know that '70s show stoner comedy stuff. Um, and I really hope that they go away from that because I've seen some like vignette stuff where they were kind of doing versions of that, but in NXT and it does not work in the context of NXT. They need to drop that and just go with like something else because you can't really do like stoner comedy in WWE. I just don't think it's going to work. Um, but yeah, that said, I mean, I think the grizzled young vets get a lot of credit for helping like be the backbone and the structure for this but they were 100 game and playing their roles um and like i said there was an energy here that really worked and grizzled young vets i mean jesus christ like this show just think about this show <laughs> like you've got zach gibson and pete dunn on this same show and like during this whole the big boom of of european you know into like uk indie wrestling the two best heels that were going and they're like here in NXT kind of just like going through the motions. I mean, they're getting paid or whatever, and maybe they're having like good performances and good matches, but it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things compared to like, you know, the only person who feels like, like, or, you know, compared to like Kip Sabian on AEW feeling like he's like in part of something, even if it's stupid and it's not good. It's like, you feel more like 
there's a chance that they're actually doing something with Kip Sabian compared to like Pete Dunne and Zach Gibson feel like they're just here, unfortunately, which is just like such a bummer because of how good they are. Um, so hopefully this is like something moving forward for the Grizzled Young Vets. But it, but it's, but it's like always that was Zach Gibson. Like Zach Gibson is always good when they use him, but for yeah. some reason he's just not used consistently. And I know that for a fact. Like like the fact that they were used again for the Dusty Cup Finals lets me know that they like like there are people back there that like them that think highly of them to put know. them in a spot like this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's like, like they know how good they are. It's not like that they, that they just don't see it. They know that they're good. Uh, I just and I, and I know that they're the tag champs over in NXT UK, but yeah, like Zach Gibson and I, and James Drake does, does his part well here, but Zach Gibson should be doing so much more. And it's a shame that like that guy probably will never get the chance to do that. You know what's an under? <laughs> this is just random, yeah, because we're like in the middle of whatever. Anyways, tangent. Thing. You know what's an underrated thing, and it plays into just how good Grizzled Young Vets are in general. And like, I always want to give all the credit to Zach Gibson, but you know, they're they're a tag team, and I should give credit to both guys. But you know what? Like, is a dumb little thing, but the um the Doomsday Plancha that everyone's going crazy, the suicide dive, I guess, with the Doomsday device thing, and like they do that spot all the time. Whatever, it's really cool. Uh, people are going nutty for it in this match. I've heard like a ton of people referencing it. But you know what? What's like the underappreciated little detail psychology thing? The Grizzle Young Vets teased doing a Doomsday device in the ring earlier in the match. And that's like a dumb little thing. But just building that anticipation, I think even if people don't notice it, is part of why when they do the Doomsday device on the outside with the suicide dive, that it's even bigger. Because you were hoping to see the move earlier, and then now you see an even cooler version of it later. And that's, like, such a dumb little thing. But it works. Like, that's wrestling psychology. The whole point is that you're, like, manipulating people's emotions. And even just dumb little subtle stuff like that works. And that's, like, the point of wrestling. And that's the dumb little things that you, like, have to do and think about to actually, like, be a good wrestler. And that's why, like, yeah, the the Grizzled Young Vets are phenomenal. Um... I guess what well, guess what was I guess what was next? Tony Storm versus EO versus Mercedes Mar- Mercedes Martinez. Yeah, yeah. This was a bummer. Honestly. Why? Like, why was this just not any kind any kind of one on one match? Like, sorry. three. That's what I was gonna say. Three phenomenal wrestlers, and just you put them together to have this. Like, if if you're still building towards some kind of EO versus Tony Storm match, why could you just not have done EO versus Mercedes Martinez one on one? Like if like if you went out of your way to make sure that Tony Storm doesn't take the fall, uh, take the fall there when EO takes the when EO uh, does the moonsault and Tony Storm gets out of the way, if you went out of your way to make sure that that that, that happened that Tony Storm didn't get pinned, why didn't you just do EO versus Mercedes Martinez? I don't understand. Yeah, it's it would be better in a ton of different ways. I guess the only problem is like that you want EO to be a baby face. And I don't, I think Mercedes is not a heel. I, I don't she, even know. She, like she I, jumped, I can't even um, say. Fucking, she jumped EO um, before, before they finished introduction. Mercedes was, Mercedes was positioned as some kind of heel or even then, like right. she can work heel. Like, like there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that either. Just have her work heel. You just sat there and did a, and did a, and did a program with, with Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly with neither, with neither of them being a heel. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I do think that this is like this the major stereotypical bad WWE situation where it is like 
that they're just throwing. They're trying to do something. They're picking the laziest way to do it by just throwing multi-man person match out there, multi-person match out there. Um, and like on top of it, they're also like uh, again, like it's muddled and there's no like clear heel and babyface dynamics. So it makes it like, oh, okay, so we could just do a three-way because everybody is just whatever. Like I think the only person in the match that that you're supposed to just know is 100% a heel is Tony because she's the only one who's done anything. She's the only one who actually had a heel turn that was an actual storyline and she did something. Everybody else, it's like, I mean, Mercedes, I guess, was part, like she left and got interrupted with everything because she was part of um, Retribution. But it's like when she comes back, you haven't really made it clear if she's a heel or a babyface. EO is, I mean, I think pretty strongly positioned as a babyface at this point, but they never actually turned her. So it still makes it odd. Like, you can't necessarily say that she's a babyface. So, yeah, it's just, I think that's part of it. It's just the super lazy WWE thing where nothing is clear, nothing makes sense, and you just throw multiple people into one match to, like, get around stuff that you're trying to not to waste but realistically what you do is just like you said like if the idea is that you're building to tony storm versus eo you don't really get anything out of this because it still feels like they had a match you didn't really protect that match because they wrestled each other it's not like we were talking about it earlier with that tag team match in ddt where like haguchi was barely in the match and you had a different tag team partner like i still am excited for the idea of doing eruption versus (laughs) piss smile because uh, because you didn't really give me any of that match. But this, it's like, you did. You gave me EO versus Tony. You just had Mercedes there. You made the match worse. Um, and then you have the unfortunate announcer table thing, which even, like, becomes a joke. Like, god damn. You could have, you, you like, had, like, you could have had EO beat, beat Mercedes Martinez and then, had, and then had Tony Storm get a convincing win over one of the, over one of the women on the roster. Like, what, like, what's the problem there? Why did you have to do, why did you have to do a triple threat? What? This is always the like the the frustration whenever they do like women's NXT women's title matches. It's like when they when they decide when they do this triple threat four way bullshit. Like it takes away from just what would be what should be happening. If you want this person to win right now, then just give them someone they're gonna beat, and then build someone uh, and then build someone else up later. But in this case scenario, where like it's not like a a, a baby face on the rise thing, right? So like when they did Bianca Belair, um. When she when she was ch- chasing Shayna, she was in, and she was in that four way or whatever. Like that made sense because that's still like a baby a baby face trying to make her way through all this competition. When it's Tony Storm who's kind of like in this like weird like tweener role, it doesn't make any sense. You should just not have her in the match. Yeah, it's not it's not helping, and as you said, it's 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 only making things worse. And like you were talking about there, like. Every match feels too long, so just cut time off of basically every match and just do another women's match on the show. When then have Tony beat someone, have Tony beat a babyface that people actually like, and have her do it convincingly as a heel, so you can get some fucking heat on her. And yeah, it's pretty. It's I mean, it's pretty fucking simple. But instead, they want to do this because they don't want to. I guess maybe they think that you'll bore. I don't understand WWE booking logic at all. Because I think that they like think if you put a star out there against someone who's not a star that people will get bored. But instead what they do is they take like a match with two people who you supposedly are supposed to like. But they give them so much time that instead you get bored. And what you do is you just devalue everyone involved. And you still get bored. 
instead of just picking out someone and like having one person just be a loser and that's okay because the crowd doesn't get bored and somebody becomes a star i don't know maybe uh, maybe i'm insane again i was talking earlier about promoting shows having been a wrestler before so maybe i don't know what i'm talking about because i've never been a wrestler um but yeah that said i mean this was there was some good athletic stuff here and everyone can can go um i unfortunately feel like tony i i like tony more than a lot of other people have as a wrestler but i feel like since quarantine and her return from that layoff she's been just a little bit slower and a little bit less athletic than she's used to be than she used to be she also like is working a little bit more like a heel so maybe she's just trying to do less stuff um so we'll see like as it develops if maybe because i've never really seen like a good heel tony run so maybe she can pull it off but as of right now it feels like what she's been doing to be a heel is just be like a little bit slower and a little bit more boring um either way moving on i guess main event um one of the worst matches of all time. Um, I don't know what you think about this, but both these guys are dog shit. Um, if you ever, if like, okay, if there's a match, if there's a wrestling match going on and it's really good, if one person does one thing that I like find slightly annoying, the entire match is bad. Um, yeah. What do you think? That's fair. Um, I really like. I really enjoyed this. I liked it a lot. Um. Best Pete, best Pete performance in a long time. Finn continues not to, to Finn continues to knock it out, knock, knock it out of the park in NXT. The selling was great. It was super focused. Uh, Pete's I thought I've seen people say the Finn selling was better than Pete's. I thought Pete's selling was really good. So I I don't really get using that as some kind of knock. And I think Pete was positioned here to to be. I mean. His selling got like more over the top towards the end, but I thought that early on, like the dynamic was supposed to be that that Pete was selling less and Finn was more beat up. You know, I mean, the commentary was telling the story, and it felt like that was the, meant to be the story that that Finn has been beat up from having so many big time title matches where he gets injuries, and so that was why he was selling more and getting beat up more. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. I can kind of see where people are coming from on that because it did feel like out of nowhere Pete started selling his ass off. So I could see saying, like, why did he flip the switch? Um, but I think that that was supposed to be the narrative of the story is that you go into the match with Finn being more worn down. Uh, I, but, but I still thought that Pete selling was, re- was really good even when you uh, take that story into consideration. And, yeah, I, like, there's a couple bad spots i guess like like i guess but i don't think it but i don't think it's anything to like detract from the match like yeah pete uh finn conveniently putting his hands back down so he could jump on them and there's a catch spot but other than that like i don't really understand what there is to be so upset about or so disappointed or so or so disappointed in and like the last and like the last third or the fin- or the finishing stretch really like yeah Finn should have just kept his hand. Should have just kept his hands there, or made it seem a little bit more natural. But again, like that's like one goofy looking spot out of the out of the context of this whole match, where the story where the story is conveyed great. Pete Dunn, Pete Dunn does exactly what he's supposed to be doing. Finn is Finn is great. The mat work, the uh, the selling, the pa- the pacing, how it how it escalates is all really good and done really well. Like I'm just I'm just not gonna pe- gonna penalize a match severely over 
over a spot or two that is that's, that's bad. Yeah. No, I'm with you, and I'm just kind of overblowing it because I just yeah. I do I do get I do get a little bit I guess perturbed. Perturbed's not even really the word. I I get a little bit annoyed. I get a little bit like kind of just I don't know how how exactly to word what I what I mean to say, but just like when I see people who become like they just check off the list, you know, and that just drives me fucking crazy when it comes to like wrestling critique where it's like like you said catch spot like there's people who like if there's a catch spot in the match that means the match is bad and it's like when you have that checkoff list i just feel like you completely miss the fucking point the reason why people do catch spots is because there was a time when they were done well and it was cool and unique and maybe logically it doesn't work but in the right setting and executed properly there's a reason why they're done um that said, I mean, yeah, like the the triangle. To me, the worst part is the strikes in the triangle from Pete Dunne. Um, they look like shit. They look fake as hell, and they're really weak. And Pete really should think about because I. The thing is, is that like it's a penalty and it looks bad, but it's like in my mind, I get it. I get what he's doing because he's trying to just not be in the hold. He's trying to work in the hold, and he really should think about a better way to work in the hold because you know the idea that like. You know, it's not a rest hold if you're working while you're in the hold. It's, it's not a rest hold if you're making And he probably just didn't want to be just laying there in a triangle. He wanted to do something. And he really should have picked something better than throwing elbows that look bad. And just, like, kind of paint brushing and stuff. I like, didn't even... Like, I didn't, like, the elbows look bad. I didn't even think the punches look terrible. Like, for, like, closed fist punches in, a, like... In, in, like in a, in a, in a, in a, you know, in someone's, in, like, when you have a triangle lock, I didn't even think that looked, that, that even looked that bad, honestly. To me, I thought that they looked pretty weak. Um, I get where you're coming from. And it is, it's kind of a tough one because it is like, I think part of it is just like his body size. He's, you know, they're, they're, these guys are just smaller. So it's like when you're in a triangle, you don't have a lot of space to like make the strikes look good because you're so tight. You're so up close to them. And when you're, you know, when you're a small, like the reason why you don't just see people punching the fuck out of people when they're in a triangle is because it's not like as easily available to them. But when you're that short and you're just right there, it's like pretty easily, easily available. You can, you should be able to just be throwing punches. Also like, yeah, there's just other ways to work in it. And that was not the best way. Um, To me, that was the thing that stood out the most. There's other stupid stuff, the hand stuff, all that. And I do think that the hand stuff and the fingers, I get it because there's a burnout. And I do want to give a shout out because as we're recording, I just saw a new episode of the Boots and Trunks podcast go up and uh, it's titled, you know, Joined at the Wrist. And it's about the Okada and Tanahashi series. And I do think that the wrist control trope in New Japan became so overdone that it's really easy to shit on it. But like you said, I mean, in this context, this is not just tacked on wrist control, finger control thing. Finn Balor has an injured arm. Pete Dunne is known for attacking the fingers and the hands. Like, you know, it like, makes this, sense. Like, 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 this is his thing. Like, like it's yeah. not like someone around like, this is his thing that he's been doing for years. Right. It's not just tacking on risk control because that's the cool thing because of Okada versus Tanahashi. But I get that when you're burnt out because you've seen so much stupid bullshit risk control stuff that, like, this just feels like more of that. And it is unfortunate because, like, there has been, like, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa doing wrist control, hand control stuff just because they think it's epic because of seeing it in New Japan or whatever. But, like, 
and that does make it like so that the the trope has been played out but this was not that this was not shoehorn this made sense in this context because of pete dunn and the stuff that he does so so yeah i mean i really like this match i don't i still probably liked the kyle o'reilly matches better like i probably liked both kyle o'reilly matches more than i liked this match but i still really like this and as you talked about i mean this finn Balor title run has been really really good and feels like it's an intentional like choice to move away from what was becoming this the kind of stale over the top melodramatic main event champion style that nxt had been doing for a very long time they, with they, you know they like broke it up they like they like they yeah. have like the finn style then they have the gargano the gargano style that's like la that's like you know uh uh usually like a show opener or that's reserved for somebody else. But like they broke up the styles really. So yeah. now like I'm excited because you know, we'll we're, we're talk, we're talk about it now, but like Adam Cole comes out and you can feel it as they start to highlight Kyle O'Reilly more that they're probably going to break up Undisputed Era or do something with them. So not only did we get Adam Cole super kicking Kyle O'Reilly in a re in a reignition of that long, long time, long time program, but we are gonna. We're probably gonna get Finn versus Adam Cole again, and right. like in in 2019 when they when they first ran that match, I thought it was really good, and and, and I feel like that was like the kickoff to this really good to this really good Finn run. I think that now again, like I, those two are gonna have a really good match together. Yeah, and if we get something where Finn brings out a little bit more grittiness out of Adam Cole and we get something that feels a little bit more like this where it's toned back and it's more like a fight. I'm a lot more excited for that. It's funny because, you know, who he gets jumped by are, you know, Lorcan and Birch to begin with to start it. And it's like Finn has been, like I said, seemingly going in this direction, but those three, you know, Lorcan, Birch and Dunn are like the guys who are bringing that old school British roughneck style of like tough fighting in wrestling that we haven't been getting in NXT for a long time, pretty hard. So them being like the main antagonists to Finn doing a similar style as the main event thing has been like perfect. Cause these guys fit in with it perfectly, but it is like Kyle O'Reilly has been a big part of it. And I am like, you're talking about Adam Cole, but fuck, I would kill to get a big time main event Lorcan Finn match wrestling, just like a hard nosed fucking brawl, you know, like that would be, that could be a lot of fun. So we still got a lot of people for Finn to wrestle if he continues to do this style where it is more like fights. Like he is going out there and he is not minding getting busted up. Like this is the first match in a while. Obviously it was the Kyle O'Reilly stuff, but he's not bleeding. He's not coming out of this injured. He's not coming out of this looking as busted up, but it was still really felt like a really stiff fight. So hopefully we can move forward and continue to, uh, to get this kind of new thing. Cause it is like, it was, there was a lot of backlash and it was kind of eating up the entire main event scene that everything was melodramatic and Johnny Gargano style and that whole thing. And it is like a breath of fresh air to do something completely different. And it's nice that they did it with Finn Balor, who was such an established NXT guy that it's like kind of cool to then have him come in and he just like completely frips the script and wrestles like a, a totally new, different main event style. And he's not just like following the mold of, of the way that they've been going. Um, so, yeah, so. Definitely, I'm with you. I'm excited to see where we where we go moving forward. Um, guess like, what do you what do you more think about like this possibly like you know being the end or like fracturing the undefeated era? Like you know, obviously like the Adam Cole Kyle O'Reilly stuff, but you know, Roderick Strong didn't attack Adam Cole when he did that. He also didn't join 
Adam Cole in, you know, attacking Kyle O'Reilly. So yeah, he doesn't even help like Kyle up. He doesn't even like help Kyle get to his feet after he's been knocked down. He just kind of looks and he's just like thinking. So we, we don't really get anything about where he's going. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, do you think there's going to lead to like a complete fracture? Do you think that we could see maybe like Adam Cole and Roddy together versus uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle? Like, what, what do you think? Where do you think that that, that, that is uh, that that's exactly heading? I mean, we've got fishes out. And he's been out so much. Like, I don't know when he's coming back or what the plan is. But I actually, I probably think we end up with something more like uh, Cole and Roddy versus Kyle and Finn. Yeah. I think is where where we go more. And then we'll see where they go from there. But I don't think that we end up with Cole and Roddy together, just the two of them, for very long. Um, so I think that the whole thing fracture, fractures into a bunch of different pieces. But I think we end up with with kind of an alignment between Kyle and, and Finn and uh, and Cole and Roddy, and then Roddy eventually splits off into his own thing. And who knows with Cole, because people are obviously rumoring that he's going to leave. I don't think it's likely. I don't think that Adam Cole leaves NXT. I think if there is any rumors about stuff, it's, it's legitimately just all negotiating leverage by Adam Cole trying to get the bigger contract. Um, I mentioned it in the Slack chat earlier, but Adam Cole has a history of pulling this off. He was able to uh, to negotiate the big money contracts in ROH through Sinclair and stuff. So he has his, he's not dumb. He knows how to negotiate and, and get what he wants out of the, the kind of contract negotiation stuff. So he could end up getting some getting some big bucks and staying in NXT and being the first guy to pull that off. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I see it. And then I could even see we do a third, you know, Cole or we do a third Finn versus uh kyle match with with kyle as a pure baby face and and finn balor is a pure baby face and and maybe even be the match that uh that kyle finally wins i i i could see them changing the championship before then so that he gets the win but he doesn't win the title i could also see kyle winning the title i don't i don't really know where they go moving forward it'd be interesting it's definitely interesting to see but i i don't know what are you kind of thinking coming out of this um i feel i feel like that's all I'm NXT is so fucking strange right now. I think that like the the promotion is in such a weird place. Like you have this super serious Finn stuff, right? And then this is also the same promotion that has Dexter Dexter Loomis and like someone that's like somehow 500 years old or some shit. Right. <laughs> like it's like the the promotion is isn't is in such a weird it's in such a weird place. But like. When you have people like like Finn doing career, doing like you know the best the best work he's done in forever, we have Kyle O'Reilly um, in a spot where finally he's getting he's getting he's getting he's getting a I, random. I, have you noticed how bad Kyle O'Reilly's hair is now? I kind of am okay with it. You like it? <laughs> I like that it's something different for him. He had a faux hawk thing like that before a long time ago, it's but really long now. <laughs> It's getting long, but I kind of like that, like, to do a different version of his character, he has different hair. Like, that's kind of the thing I like. Maybe the style itself is not very good, but, yeah, I like that he has something other than just a shaved head for the first time in a while. But NXT is... (laughs) Like, despite the roster, this huge, gigantic, expansive all-time level talented roster that only keeps getting better as I keep signing everybody. Like, right. that I also 
still don't really know what this promotion is right now and have no desire to keep up with it on a regular basis. And that's so weird to me. Well, it's because even with all of that stuff that you just said, they still only keep like the same five guys in the top level and that's it. Like yeah. the only the only guy the only like top level people are the same five people just like over and over again against each other and that's it like realistically and and so yeah it's like why why am I gonna be super excited that they have this amazing expansive roster when most of the people just are treated like they don't matter like Trevor Lee is on this roster doing whatever the fuck he's doing. Hillbilly Million Dollar Man. He's doing the Hillbilly Million Dollar Man. It's amazing. What the fuck is going on? (laughs) Like I don't, I don't understand. Like this, this NXT is so strange. And like, what? I don't know if one they'll ever end this. If they'll ever move on from this, probably not. There's probably be like an established WWE thing, and there'll be like a whole fucking NXT lore that that they have going on. But like. Like the fact that we're so far removed from like even like what the promotion was like three and four years ago is like just so jarring. <laughs> right. No, it does. It does feel like a completely different world at this point. Um, and it is. It's segmented so weirdly too, as you just talked about. Like the idea that there's like a thousand year old woman and there's also like Finn Balor busting his nose in the main event like yeah, yeah, what the fuck this, is going this, on here this this is the same show <laughs> yeah it's very odd um well Quentin is there anything else you want to uh hit on before we head out uh no I guess you know when we're back we can uh hit the second of the blood sports shows and I guess, I guess, I guess, whatever else we we did a we did a lot of wrestling, so might be you know might might find another show to do, might be another grab bag situation. I know I still have to watch like the AEW, uh, you know, Joshi side of the Joshi side of that tournament, and you know oh, yeah. cherry, cherry and cherry and cherry pick uh, that no that Noah show. But yeah, like we've we come we covered a lot of wrestling today. Yeah, we we watched a lot of wrestling, uh, and we've talked about a bunch of it i'm you know it's still tough like obviously there's still a major pandemic and it's hard to like feel like you're 100 just back into stuff but uh it is definitely definitely getting excited about some stuff that's going on so that's that's always fun and uh i mentioned it kind of offhandedly but i do want to shout it out like boots and trunks podcast exists we're not the only podcast on the network now again um it's coming out randomly but new episode just came out um, obviously, by the time you're hearing this, hopefully you've already listened to it. But if you haven't, go listen to it because Jamesy. You know, I thought about the new Adam Curtis documentaries have come out, right? I don't know if you are an Adam Curtis watcher or fan or anything, but uh, watching the new the episode, the first episode of the new thing, and uh, I thought about it and I was like, the Boots and Trunks thing and Jamesy is kind of like a Adam Curtis documentary for wrestling. The, the same style but you know like the way that he does the delivered spoken word thing um it would be kind of cool if someone edited together videos to go with audio with uh with jamesy's audio and made it into like a video thing because uh, uh, because yeah it's, it's got that same like depth of 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 thought being put into what he's talking about it's almost it's almost like we're friends with a very popular wrestling youtuber that's true there is someone who could gather the video versions of the boots and trunks podcast out there um 
you know, but might cost me a couple extra kofis or coffees or whatever. Um, but yeah, the, that's that's definitely the only thing that I, I care about mentioning before we head out here is definitely if you haven't already, which you obviously should have if you're listening to this, but go out there and listen to Boots and Trunks. Um, so yeah, Quentin, whatever you want, you want to you want to mention before we go or or just say goodbye to the people. Uh, think good. Think, think I'm good. Think we're good on that note. Uh, thank you all for listening, and hope you're next time. Only five buckets up. It's a cruel summer. I got my heart broke. Now I'm a sad bitch, and I wanna do coke. It's a cruel summer. I got my heart broke. Now I'm a sad bitch, and I wanna do coke. Cruel summer. I got my heart broke by a late comer. He always beat my pussy hard like a drummer. But he never came shit. It was such a bummer. Even though he wasn't that good in the bed, I still wanna know why he left me sad. I might have fucked around and gave his bad head, but I'm still a cool chick. I know how to do the dab. Was my mouth too small? Was my pussy too tight? Was my tongue too short? Was my left boob too right? It's a cruel summer, I got my heart broke Now I'm a sad bitch, and I wanna do coke It's a cruel summer, I got my heart broke Now I'm a sad bitch, and I wanna do coke White powder, and a spoon